0: Welcome to Fantastic Books and How to Read Them.
1: The fantasy book review podcast by this couple who's read more than a couple of fantastic books.
0: We're your hosts, Sam and Anna. And let's see what we're reading this week. Welcome back, fantastic listeners. This is Sam and Anna. And I'm so excited for this episode because we are going off the beaten track, going to take a step away from the world of... King Killer Chronicles and diving into a new story.
1: I think what we're going to be doing is periodically we have other books we want to cover, not as in detail as The Name of the Wind or our regular season long books. Um, So we're going to be doing these little mini series. I think this is going to drop around the holidays. So it should be a fun little set of episodes. And the book we're covering for our very first like mini series or what were we calling it earlier a side quest side quests (laughs) is a book that just came out this year it is called winter set hollow by jonathan edward durham so far we have read just the first part unlike name of the wind and wise man's fear we have never read this book before so we are going to be going through it with brand new eyes and making predictions and guesses and kind of reading along as it unfolds so this should be a little bit different should be really fun i really really enjoyed the first part so far i'm excited to get right into it oh
0: i'm thrilled and this was a very exciting and flattering moment for us in our podcast because jonathan actually reached out to us and sent us a copy of his book for us to read
1: (laughs) well okay so he sent us each a copy and i (laughs) promptly lost both copies on an airplane
0: we eventually purchased a copy because <laughs> we believed in the story and we wanted to actually get through it and listen and see what happens. So we're very excited to be sharing this story with you guys.
1: Yes. Um, so I will actually put a link in the show notes. So the like episode description about where to buy the book, because um, I highly recommend it. It's really awesome. And I think the genre that it is classified as is dark fantasy. So it's a bit different from stuff we've been covering so far. Yeah. But I think I'm pretty much ready to jump right in. Oh, I am ready. So the book opens up with a poem. The poem is included in more and more detail throughout the book. Basically, this story covers another book called Winterset Hollow and characters who have read that book. Um, So the parts of the poem that are in this book... (laughs) are their version of Winterset Hollow. It's slightly confusing.
0: You know what? It kind of reminds me a lot of uh, the story, the trilogy, Inkheart.
1: Yeah. So the book Inkheart is about a book called Inkheart. Um, So in this case, this is a book called Winterset Hollow about a book called Winterset Hollow. But the book Winterset Hollow (laughs) in the book Winterset Hollow is a poetry book, and it chronicles the stories of these animals And so far in the first little bit, we just get like maybe, I don't know, five to eight stanzas of it. It's a little bit confusing what's going on, and it it becomes more clear as we receive more and more parts of the poem about what's happening in it.
0: And just like this little poem, in the beginning, it sounds so beautiful and pleasant and whimsical. And towards the end of the poem, you get this foreshadowing dread and sadness, and I have a Terrible feeling suspicion that's going to be very much the same vibe of the rest of the story.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to take some dark twists and turns. Even in this opening poem, it's talking about like animals who are meeting for barley day and all the food is delicious and everyone's having a perfect time.
0: It's a perfect weather, not a care in the
1: world. But then by the end of this opening poem, we get some clues about this rabbit who's waiting alone in the grass uh, and is looking at his dead friend perhaps. So it's very confusing, to say the least, right off the bat. But then we jump into the story itself.
0: Yes. And so...
1: So this story follows three main characters. Eamon, who's actually... His full name is John Eamon, but he just goes by Eamon because he didn't know his first name for a part of his life. And then his friends, Mark and Caroline, who are a couple.
0: I think a lot of times within the world of fantasy, we get the charismatic protagonist who... Kind of has a chip on their shoulder, but everything to prove and is very outgoing. And we get a different type of person with Eamon.
1: He definitely has a chip on his shoulder, that's
0: for sure. Oh, for sure. But he very much prefers to be in the background, does not want to be the center of attention.
1: Yeah, he's kind of by himself a lot.
0: Yeah, if anything, he just wants to feel like he belongs.
1: Right. So the background that we get for Eamon throughout the first part is that he lived alone with his father for a good part of his childhood. And his father was very secluded, afraid of the outside world, afraid of other people, and kept them there in isolation for the most part. So Eamon really only had books to comfort him until he was 14. And then he either ran away from his father, his father died, or maybe something more sinister happened. We're not sure yet. He left his father's home forever and was put in foster care for a long time. And In foster care, the book Winterset Hollow is the one book that finally, like, brought him comfort.
0: Yeah, and also brought him, like, clarity and a sense of groundedness to the real world. Yeah. Because, unfortunately for Eamon, his father, I feel like almost, like, tendencies where he had these delusions of grandeur that everyone in the outside world was going to harm them. So, they constantly... were in the middle of nowhere interacting with no one would avoid others at all costs and his father would constantly warn him the dangers of other people
1: yeah so he's got kind of a rough upbringing in this book he's there with his two friends uh, mark and caroline who have really helped him come out of his shell a little bit he and mark were high school friends and then they were roommates uh, and caroline has also read winterset hollow so she and Eamon bond about it a lot Mm. which is really cute
0: And it's fun because I think even though at this stage of the story, these three characters in their young adulthood, like early 20s, there's such a playful written language as they open up the beginning of the book. um, We actually get our story starting out with Eamon with Mark and Caroline over at a diner.
1: So they are just eating french fries, enjoying the deliciousness (laughs) of said french fries. And
0: it's funny because, you know, it's french fries. Everyone knows what to expect, but... I love french fries, so
1: I really (sighs) (laughs) immediately liked the two of them.
0: Yeah, I just love the way this author, Jonathan Edward Durham, writes. I wasn't expecting to really enjoy his writing as much as I am right now, which is really a pleasant surprise.
1: Well, I know sometimes when you come away from Patrick Rothfuss's books, you you like come down from a high and you're like, nothing else is going to ever be as good. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you were a little skeptical at first reading something different.
0: Yeah, no, this this has been a great palate cleanse and it's been very enjoyable. I'm I'm thrilled to have been able to get a chance to read this.
1: Yeah, but his language is gorgeous. His characters are kind of like snarky and silly with each other. And he uses such funny phrasing sometimes. Like our particular favorite was... When they're putting salt on their french fries, he describes it as...
0: God's chosen crystal. <laughs> it's ridiculous and silly and fun.
1: Yeah, so they're sitting in this diner. We're not really clued into what they're doing here yet, but we do find out that the three of them are traveling to this place called Addington Isle. E.B. Addington was the author of Winterset Hollow, so they're going to see his home. And in the book, all the characters are are preparing for this feast called Barley Day, which is probably some sort of like harvest festival kind of thing. Mm. It's in September, so they're taking the trip on Barley Day to go see Addington Isle. So they have driven, I think they said six hours? Yes. uh, To this Pacific Northwest town. They are waiting in a diner before they catch the ferry. And while they're waiting... Uh, Eamon notices that on the cover of the menu at the diner there's a picture of a rabbit wearing like a tweed jacket Mm. and he asks the waitress he goes oh is this runny and she does not understand yeah she's
0: like what what?"
1: yeah he's like oh is it is it runny in the rye and she's like you want runny what on rye (laughs) so Caroline uh, as we notice throughout these chapters, she really steps in as like Amon's. She like, acts as a
0: touchstone for him, for sure.
1: Yeah, she definitely helps bridge the gap between him and others, so she just jumps in and she's like, I'll have a turkey sandwich, and kind of flatlines the conversation, and they start talking about Runny the rabbit and the the purpose for them being there.
0: Right. They did all this traveling in order to catch a ferry to visit an island and where the author who wrote Jerset Hollow, E.B. Addington, and so they kind of give him the background of almost like uh old victorian entrepreneur from england who came and made his fortune writing
1: yeah i think he made his fortune beforehand yeah it was like old money yeah came over here bought this island and built this grand manor so they're gonna go see the island it comes out later that the reason he wrote the book is because he felt really guilty disturbing all the wildlife and natural beauty of the island while building his manor house.
0: Because mm, he throw these extravagant wild parties.
1: Yes, it was like anybody who was anybody has ever been at any of these parties, it was like the place to be during the Roaring Twenties for that yeah. area. So, very influential, and they are really excited to see it. They got these weird free ferry passes in the mail, which seems a little suspect to me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I know. I'm surprised in a way... That Eamon was so trusting with this, given his background of not trusting anything and everything yeah. being suspicious.
1: I definitely thought it was a little suspicious because as our characters make their way over to the ferry, the the pier to wait for the ferry, they don't see anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are kind of greeted by this other group of people who are all waiting for a ferry that doesn't seem to be coming he says he got the tickets free in this magazine that happened to be a Winterset Hollow fan magazine that was sent to his, that was at his apartment when he moved in there. And then there yeah. were free tickets. So like, I don't know, it seemed like there was a lot of pieces that might be leading him to this place.
0: Yeah, very uh, destiny or divine intervention kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I
1: think he sees it as more of like, oh, like there's other people out there who have the same interests as me. I found a community where I can belong. Like it was all meant to be. Mm mm-hmm. And I understand wanting to feel that connectivity to other people, the connection, if you've never had that. But me being a skeptical person was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, red flags. Oh, yeah, immediately. And because I know it's uh, dark fantasy, I was like, someone's luring you in, run away. It's a trap.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so it's funny, they're at this pier, and a couple other people are around, and everyone's just kind of like, you here for what we're here for, what's going on?
1: Yeah, and Mark in their group is definitely more of like the jock, he's has not read winter Set hollow he he makes a joke at one point that he's never read a book at all um mm. so he's kind of making fun of this whole debacle and he's like oh man like i don't want to i really don't want to be here right and they're greeted by this guy who thinks of himself as kind of like a thespian like this very theatrical man so he's like oh fellow travelers like coming to barley day and mark is not impressed yeah <laughs> he's the, i
0: feel like he's illustrated as like the perfect like cringy awkward overly dramatic theatrical guy and While they're trying to figure out, like, all right, we're all here. Some of us are here to get to this island for Barley Day. They're trying to figure out how the heck they're going to get there.
1: Right. Nobody knows where the ferry is or (laughs) why it's not there. Uh, But they all have the same ferry tickets, which seems a little strange that they all received free tickets.
0: Oh, very sus. Like, very, very suspicious.
1: Yeah. Eventually... A boat comes up. It is a fishing boat piloted by a man named Captain Gene. And he's very, like, brusque. He's like, oh, well, because someone asks where the ferry is. He's like, it's over there. See it? It hasn't run in five years. <laughs> and he mentions that Millie has been sending out the free tickets. And at the beginning, John Amon, Mark, and Caroline were at Millie's Place Diner. So there's some kind of connection between the tickets and the diner. But he offers to give them a ride for 20 bucks each. Some people are kind of skeptical. Uh, I would definitely be skeptical of this.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's more of a point of convenience than the truth. But sometimes the most convenient lies make better than the truth. Mm -hmm. Where he was saying, oh, you know, just good for commerce. We get these tickets that still come out, even though the ferry isn't here. But people go visit the restaurant. They go through me to get the ride.
1: But it was when they were walking through the town from the diner to the pier, they all noticed that there was nothing in the town that hinted at any kind of tourism around the book like there was nothing about like tours about the author like where he lived and worked or no gift shops or like nothing kind of hinting at it so it seems pretty minimal in the towns yeah
0: it's not like a main point of attraction
1: right right right
0: Kids, sketchy back to you
1: (laughs) (laughs) so they all end up getting on the boat because Mark actually leads the way. He trusts Captain Jean when Captain Jean opens a cooler of beer and it's like, all right, well, I don't know anything about, I think he even makes a mistake and doesn't call it Barley Day, but he calls it something else.
0: He goes, are you having a good buckwheat
1: day or what? <laughs> <laughs> and
0: it's like, Barley Day! Come
1: on, dude, Barley Day! Um, he does get them out to the island, despite my reservations about him. During the ride, first off, Eamon's a little nervous because he's never seen the ocean before, and he gets kind of lost in thoughts about his childhood and, and Winterset Hollow. And we get a lot of background thoughts from him during this point, which we have kind of filled in for you guys about yeah. like his, his upbringing. But Caroline ends up pulling him out of his lost in thought moment by showing him this book that she found that's pictures of the island. And they go through it and they're just talking about how beautiful it is and how perfect the environment is. And it's like this pristine wilderness Um, So they get really excited to get there. And when they do, they all end up getting off the boat and going up a very kind of rickety dock up to this large gate that surrounds the manor house. Yes. They can't get into the manor house, which is sort of unfortunate. They can't even get close to it. All they can see is like one bit of the rooftop or a spire over the trees. But all the characters and the other people on the boat too feel kind of like this reverie about being there. Some of them leave little offerings behind. Some of them I think Eamon writes thank you in a um, And like stones in on the ground Stones on the ground. Caroline leaves some sketches of the characters. So it's this very tranquil spiritual moment for everyone connecting with this book that clearly means a lot to all of them. Yes. And there's a great line where Eamon is is writing his thank you in the stones and he says, like it's hard for him to believe that Winterset Hollow could mean more to anyone else than it means to him, but he is coming to terms with that.
0: That and, like, this little touch of gratitude had more sincerity than any thank you he's ever said in his life.
1: Yeah, so So, he's very emotionally attached to this whole endeavor.
0: As everyone's placing their offerings, as it were, like, in front of the main gate, people start discussing their favorite characters and, like, what moments in the story meant the most to them. And our theatrical young man who was hamming it up in the beginning what's his name gareth yeah he starts not monologuing you know just reading he's
1: reading the book (laughs) you know
0: he starts opening up the book and reading due to the fact that he is such a performer he's actually doing a good job
1: yeah everyone at first is a little iffy about it but he really pulls them in with his performance even captain gene seems to be enjoying himself he came along It's so emotional that Eamon starts, like, almost crying. Yeah. And Caroline, again, coming to the rescue, just starts clapping at the end of the next verse so that Gareth has to stop performing.
0: Yeah, and it also gives Eamon a moment to ground himself and emotionally stabilize.
1: Yeah, collect his thoughts, as it were. In the next few lines here that Gareth ends up reading out, we learn a little bit more about what the plot of Winterset Hollow is. In these verses, this character, Runny Rabbit, is interested in leaving wherever they are uh, and going out, what they're calling, like, beyond the edge. He's talking to this character who's a frog, um, which I think is the one that Gareth liked, Flackwell Frog, the boisterous theatrical amphibian.
0: (laughs) Sounds about right. Story
1: checks out. Right. (laughs) So the frog says, like, there's no me beyond the edge the frog's trying to lure Runny Rabbit from leaving by saying, like, all your friends are here, like, all your loved ones are here, don't go. And Runny Rabbit is interested in exploring or, for whatever reason, leaving his home, uh, but is certain he'll be back pretty soon and, like, isn't really getting why everybody is so worried that he wants to leave. One thing that I thought was kind of maybe a bit of a prediction. Was when they all the characters who came onto the island were talking about their favorite book characters. I didn't know if there was maybe parallels between the two. So, like, obviously, Gareth likes the frog the most, but there are some other people on the island too. So, uh, Talia and Percy, who are PhD candidates in English, really like this character, Phineas Fox, who is like really quick witted, he's good at games and sport. But they talk about his tragic turn being the result of his self-hatred and fragile masculinity. Mm. So I don't know if he has a a bad end, but I don't know if it's going to parallel what happens to those characters at all.
0: Right. And I'm sure they also identify with them because if they're PhD candidates, they're probably clever and the fox is probably clever, so.
1: Right. Yeah. And like the Gareth obviously loving Flackwell Frog, the theatrical amphibian is no jump of the imagination you can see exactly why he likes him Mm -hmm. um caroline really likes binghamton the builder bear i think this is so cute she talks about how he's like this quiet bear who lives in this world that's actually made for animals much smaller than him but he is always helpful and content to be there whenever a neighbor needs him to help build or fix anything they need help with he always leaves before he can take a reward as if like the helping is reward itself.
0: Yeah, like the act of doing it. I love that concept.
1: It's really sweet. He sounds like, like of the characters listed so far, probably my favorite character. I'm not really sure. We don't know too much about Caroline.
0: I think yeah. in a way, that's her role within the trio is constantly providing aid and comfort to her friends
1: mm, without Yeah, without expecting to much in, in
0: return because that's just like the kind of person she is.
1: I can see that. That makes sense.
0: And then... We have Eamon identifying with Runny Rabbit, not in the context of him being so gregarious and outgoing.
1: I mean, we're not really too sure what Runnymede Rabbit is like yet. They don't talk about his personality, except for in the poem, we get the fact that he wants to leave. And that definitely parallels Eamon's desire to leave the world his father built up around them as a child. Yeah, There's like this great line. I don't want to pull too many quotes from the book because I obviously want people to read the book, but the language is gorgeous i will read just this one it says he knew the sting of watching his world crumble from the echo of simply putting one foot in front of the other and he knew all too well the pull of the rye so that allure of like what's out there what's beyond what i know Mm. uh really sits with aemon because he's personally experienced that so i was just wondering i don't know like we don't know what happens to the characters in the book in the inner winterset hollow poem book (laughs) The
0: original source.
1: Yes. (laughs) I was wondering if maybe it paralleled what's going to happen to our characters. Yeah. As everything is revealed. But after Gareth ends up reading, the people are all sitting around. Unfortunately, Captain Jean has had a little bit to drink and is now napping, so they're not really sure what to do. So Caroline, Mark, and Eamon decide to go on a walk.
0: Because they want to explore the island and maybe get a better view of the house that E.B. Addington built.
1: Yeah, and (laughs) as Caroline puts it, Eamon just really wants to see a rabbit there. Yeah. I think that would be like the cherry on top of the cake for him. Um, So they're walking around. Mark didn't want to come in the first place, so he's kind of like grumbling about it. They're walking along. He keeps saying, like, can we turn around? Can we turn around? And they get to this tree that has recently fallen over. Eamon is feeling it. Uh, He can tell it's still alive. That's how he knew it recently fell. So he has a lot of wilderness skills, too, from his upbringing that I think are going to be helpful in the long run in this book. But thankfully, the tree has actually knocked down part of the fence that's preventing them from getting into the grounds of the manor. So, of course, what do they do?
0: They turn around and go back home. (laughs) (laughs) No... Nope, they climb the fence and go exploring.
1: And actually, the like very, I guess, fitting thing is they do see a rabbit, and they kind of chase the rabbit into the grounds. Yeah. So it's almost like the white rabbit, I feel like, leading Alice in wonderland. leading Alice into her wonderland. And even as they enter the grounds of the manor, they know that the island's not any different from the outside, but there's this sort of mystical, magical feeling that they're getting. Whether or not it's just like, you know, forbidden fruit is making it feel different from the rest of the island or the fact that it's been part of it yeah either that or the fact that it's been like not no humans have been there in a long time but it feels like the outside world is just kind of gone to them Mm. so i don't know if there is some sort of mystical element to this yet if they've gone through some sort of weird barrier or if it's all in their heads but they're exploring what is actually like this gorgeous wilderness there's like flowering bushes and wild grass and streams and hills and lazy pastures and rivers like it's just it seems absolutely stunning i don't know how far they go it seems like they're walking for quite some time to they see they mentioned all of a few this. miles they're definitely like hoofed in pretty far what's been going on this entire time too is that like the sun is slowly going down yeah <laughs> so their time is ticking they decide that they need to start going back towards the dock but they get a little distracted they're going through these this really thick grass and they get to the top of this hill they find just like a plinth like the base for a statue just set randomly on the top of this hill by itself yeah and nobody really knows what it is so they're just kind of goofing around like messing around so mark gets up on it and pretends to like strike a pose as if he were a statue But before he can make a joke or say anything about it, off in the distance, he sees something that he thinks is a hedge maze, which is super cool. Yeah. So they all run over there. They decide that they're going to have to go into the middle because they want to check it out. There was maybe something over the top that they could see that was in the middle of the hedge maze. And that's the only way they're going to get to it. Yeah. But the hedge maze is super overgrown. There's like vines covering the top of it. So it's like very, very tight. Before they go in, they end up actually finding a bullet casing on the ground.
0: Yes, and there's very important symbolism in here, at least in our our opinion. In
1: my thought process, there was like a lot going on here. So they find a bullet casing, Mark picks it up, and Eamon then takes it from him. And because, like I said, he has some like wilderness knowledge, knows about hunting, and he says it looks like a deer rifle or something, like something pretty big. Mark thinks that that's weird because Addington supposedly wrote Winterset Hollow because he felt bad about disturbing all the wildlife on the island. So he's like, oh, yeah, some like animal lover, huh? Like, like hunting animals with all yeah. these like big rifles. Amon and Caroline end up going into the hedge maze. But then Mark finds two more casings lying on the ground. So we have three bullets and three characters. And I don't know what this means for our heroes but in my opinion it seems bad i don't know if the humans are going to be hunted i don't know if someone died there a long time ago like i don't know what's going on And the next in the next few pages like some weird shit comes up like they find really weird stuff in this hedge maze so so they get to the middle i was not expecting this honestly reading this like gave me chills it creeped me out so much Nothing bad happens to the characters, but what they come across is in the very center of the hedge maze, a clearing that's got sort of like on the ground, the detritus of a party. So there's like glasses and champagne bottles and stuff like that. But then in the very, very center is this giant wooden cage that's definitely big enough for a person to be in.
0: The weird part is that it's a cage. Yeah. And then...
1: And it is padlocked. Like the, the padlock is rusty, but like it was... Definitely a cage that locked. Like, it wasn't like a weird kind of gazebo thing or like some kind of art structure. Yeah. It's got a lock on it. That is definitely a human cage, and that weirds me out so much. Well,
0: then around the cage, there's what? All these stone.
1: 12 stone chessboards around the cage that are just within reach of the cage where whoever's inside can play the games.
0: Yes. Amon makes a very interesting realization while he's looking around at this since he had a strong familiarity playing chess growing up he could see that even though most of these games were in progress still
1: that's also weird like why is it just like stopped halfway
0: but it also looked like the side closest to the cage being that one player was playing 12 simultaneous games
1: against 12 other different people around the outside
0: and a- from what he was seeing looked like the center position was an advantage of all the other players as far as strategy of the game.
1: Mm -hmm. All the 12 chess heads too are characters from Winterset Hollow. So they're all little animals. And then the king and queen are E.B. Addington and his wife. Yes. So it's, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if you have to play your way out of the cage. I don't know if this was some like gross party trick. I don't, I have no guesses, but the weird weird thing is, is, uh, well, I mean, obviously all of that, but everything also seems to be in progress. Like, all of the games were in progress, and then on the ground, it looks like people were having a party and then just dropped whatever they had and left. Mm. So whatever happened here was very strange and very sudden, potentially. Um, They find, like, cigarette butts and all sorts of things, but they also find... A really cool crystal glass that has EBA etched into it, like EB Addington, which is awesome. So they actually end up deciding to take that with them. But they are definitely kind of weirded out by it, but not as much as I think they should be weirded out by this. Mm. I don't
0: <laughs> no, like that's weird. Neat. We're looking at anyone else to be like, all right, I'm leaving.
1: Right. So they I think they're all still just kind of taking it in. It's super strange. But before they have a chance to digest what they're seeing, this massive storm rolls in and blocks out the sun and there's this torrential downpour. So they decide they have to book it back to the dock. Yeah. Or else they're going to miss their ride. So they are running. They cover several miles before they stop running. So they did get really, really far into the island. Yeah. They don't know where they are.
0: Yeah, it's getting too dark, it's way too stormy and rainy, they're getting completely turned around, so they have no idea exactly where the ferry is now.
1: Right, so Mark is like, I think the best thing we could do would be run until we find the fence anywhere, and then we'll just follow it until we get to the part with the tree or the gate where everyone was sitting and waiting, but the gate was locked. So they don't know how to get out, they're panicking, and they decide they're just going to have to keep running so Eamon takes two steps before he steps onto like a stone slab and realizes he's standing on some sort of patio they've made it to the manor house they're like right i'm assuming in the middle of the island so this is the place they're not supposed to be they're about as far away as they can get from the gate or the the dock this looks bad and then the weird stuff starts happening (laughs) (laughs) if it wasn't already weird there's a light on inside the house. Yeah. Eamon is like transfixed by this. Mark is like, look, maybe there's a groundskeeper or like someone to make sure like the house is fine or there's no squatters there. Like, yeah, we don't know if there's there's probably not supposed to be someone there. But like there's no reason that that's not normal. Like we got to go.
0: Yeah. It's like, we don't what have time for this.
1: We do not have time for this. As soon as he says that another light flicks on and it looks like there's like someone carrying a lantern like you can see a bobbing light inside. Caroline also becomes transfixed. Mark is the voice of reason here, which is definitely... That's you know it's a desperate situation. <laughs> not the norm for this group. So he's like, I don't care about this. Like, we got to go. Like, come on. Like, to the point where I would be, like, shaking my friends. Like, yeah. come on. They then hear a door open. So all of them are just kind of standing, not knowing what to do. I think if this were me at this point, I would be scared, but also probably coming from where Mark's coming from, thinking, like, this is a groundskeeper or something. Like, yeah, we're probably going to get in trouble for trespassing, but also maybe we can get out of the rain. Maybe they can help us get off the island tomorrow, like, after the storm passes. Like, we're going to miss the boat. So, like, cool, maybe someone's here to help us. Yeah. What approaches them <laughs> in the dark is a human-sized old rabbit with a peg leg and a walking cane. And he introduces himself runny mead rabbit and wishes them a good barley day and that is the end of part one Ah!
0: (laughs) like what
1: like whoa that's not what i was expecting
0: no i was not expecting i know this was fantasy but i wasn't expecting the intermingling of worlds
1: i wasn't expecting that either i think i was expecting more like the island to have some sort of sinister power on it or Mm some sort of mystical element to it not the fact that like the animals in the original winter set hollowed to be real characters or at least runny is i'm assuming the others are so that was like such a shock to the end of part one yeah very very well written i love the development of the characters i love that a lot isn't slipped in too much right at the beginning about like this is john amon he had a tough childhood blah 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 like it's very like subtly peppered in
0: yeah Um, because nothing shatters the illusion more than too much like groundwork
1: yeah so it's it feels like you're tossed into this story but you're also on this adventure with these characters and it's a really really good read i'm definitely now on the edge of my seat considering everything that just happened in the past few pages so i'm really excited for part two I have several questions I wrote down uh, yeah. that are things I'm wondering about and maybe, like, sort of predictions. Number one, what the fuck is up with that chess? <laughs> I'm disturbed to my core by, like, thinking about what went on. Um, play! <laughs> it I don't me want out. to play. play. Uh, it seems like a weird, like, torture thing. I don't know. It weirds me out. I don't
0: know. Either that or, like, child prodigy, like, Queen's Gambit style.
1: I hope it's more like that, but yeah. I don't know. I'm almost reminded of... Did you did you ever read the story the short story the most dangerous game?
0: Oh, uh, where they like hunting humans or something? Yeah. I know, it's almost that kind of vibe right now. So I'm
1: getting that kind of vibe. I think finding the bullets on the ground definitely is where I'm picking up on that the most. So I don't know if our characters are going to be hunted.
0: Definitely sinister forces at work cuz I feel like my prediction is they're going to be invited in. It's going to be weird fake pleasantries have a room, settle in, we'll call to you soon, and then it's like, it's where stuff's going to get weird and scary.
1: Yeah, I think it might get scary. I mean, obviously, you know, this is dark fantasy, and that's why I'm making these, like, dark predictions. Yeah. If this wasn't dark fantasy, I'd be like, oh my god, like, a light Barley in the Day's dark. real, like, this is crazy. But yeah. yeah, definitely a little nervous about things. My second question is, if this is the author's island and his characters are alive on the island, what happened to the author?
0: Yeah, it's like, he's still secretly alive.
1: I think they at one point said he had an untimely death
0: so to speak. It could be, like, a faked death. Like, is he still around?
1: Uh, yes. It says that the... Remember I said that his estate was, like, the center of all the 1920s parties? Mm, yeah. Um, basically the parties never stopped until the Great Depression and Addington's untimely passing emptied the halls of his manor forever. Ooh. So, maybe it was... I have
0: a prediction.
1: Okay, give it to me.
0: So, I feel like either Addington's in the story world and then his characters came out
1: Oh, interesting. Like,
0: one for one. Okay. So, like, he got placed into Winterset Hollow, and out of Winterset Hollow, maybe Remy Rabbit got pulled out. Runny Rabbit? Yes, when I say Remy. Yeah.
1: Whoops. Runny (laughs) Rabbit.
0: Possibility. Not too sure.
1: That could happen. That's very similar to Inkheart. That's the only reason I don't want to say that that might be it. I know. I am almost thinking more like he stumbled upon these living animals and had some kind of good relationship with them for a while and wrote this, like, amazing book about Barley Day. And then I'm thinking it went sour and maybe they killed him. But I also am wondering if there's some connections between, like, whatever happened to Eamon's father this island, like, I don't know if, Oh,
0: interesting. He, I wouldn't even put those two together.
1: Is Amon weirdly like the long lost, like, heir of the island or something? El Charlie the Chocolate <laughs> Factory,
0: my boy, you've won. You've won.
1: You've got the golden ticket. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of potential possibilities here. Yeah. My other two questions for the end of this part are like, obviously, what's going to happen inside the house when they go in, and how many of the other animals are still alive?
0: Yes, because it clearly is like not their best day because from what runny was described as he was definitely spry and youthful and not missing a leg and hobbling on a cane
1: right yeah now he seems like really old definitely his best days are behind him he looks pretty beat up
0: yeah so i'm wondering if this is like one of those sad moments where we're gonna get presented with more and more characters like at the latter end of their years, just kind of having a tough go of it
1: Maybe. Yeah, like, maybe they're all, like, elderly, and maybe not all of them are still alive. Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, so it'll be really interesting to explore and find out more.
1: I'm really, really eager to read the next parts. I am desperate to know what happens. Yeah, so... So, part two coming up next is called The Frog's Feast. Part three, I'm not going to reveal the title yet, but that one is very long, so we might need to chop that into two parts. I'm hoping that this will be shorter than a regular season, so probably, like, Three to four episodes, and then at the very end, actually, we will be interviewing the author himself. So if you guys have questions or want to reach out to us with things you want us to ask in our interview, definitely send those our way. If not, I have plenty of questions yes, <laughs> to so myself many questions. to ask. So I'm really excited to do this first little mini series, um, and we have a couple more coming up as well. But don't worry, we will definitely get through the wise man's fear. And then on to our next book. Our next season three will be Dragons of Autumn Twilight.
0: So until then, readers, happy holidays and happy reading.
1: Thanks, listeners. If you're looking for more, check us out at fantasticbookspod.com. where We have book reviews, reading list suggestions, merch, and you can even send us a message.
0: Or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Fantastic Books Pod.
1: And if you like what you've been hearing, don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks. Thanks.